<laughs> wow. You've entered the fact zone. Do you? <laughs> have we CRQZ. Yeah, have we dramatically increased the budget we have for effects? The, the fact show? only radio station. Yeah. Our our budget seems to have increased dramatically. Coming to you from two continents. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We seem to have really taken it up a notch here in twenty twenty one. Yep, that, yeah. all that Patreon money from, <laughs> from after the fact are definitely existing post-show bonus. Yeah, I mean, if you're not a subscriber to After the Fact now, effects. you're a jerk. Yeah, well, you're missing out. There's no. even more sound effects in that. Fun fact. As of 2015... 70% of the German Autobahn has absolutely no required speed limit. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is f- sort of famous, but what is not clear to me is why Why does basically every other road in the world have a speed <laughs> limit? And this one, it's just like, eh. In a country that is sort of thought of as being fond of rules. Yeah, so I, I get asked about this a lot. You know, as we've mentioned on, on the a bunch of episodes of recent episodes of the show i am currently residing in germany mm-hmm. and friends from other places home primarily have asked me repeatedly whether i've quote-unquote driven on the autobahn yeah and quote-unquote does it really have no speed limit right. and i got asked it so many times i thought it would be good to like cover some basis with this and just mm-hmm. do some facts about this so the first thing that i want everyone who is not from or f- super familiar with germany to know is that there is not actually an autobahn in Germany. In the way that there isn't like a uh, interstate. Yeah, right. Autobahn is uh, autobahn, if excuse me, is just the German word for highway. Right. So the national highway system in the USA or in Canada, which I have no idea what it's called in Canada, but it would be referred to We refer to, to them as freeways for reasons. But do you have one system name for like the whole thing? Not re- I mean there's like uh, like the Trans Canada Highway, and then oh yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard of that. Uh, yeah, but it's not. It's not. It doesn't have like a, it's not branded, system. super branded. No. So if if you if if a German person was talking in German about the f- highway systems of Canada, they would say that that's the the autobahn. So if you are specifically referring to the German national highway system, they do actually have a little bit of a branded name, which is, and I, <laughs> I told mm-hmm. my my German native German speaking wife that I was going to do this fact for this episode. She said, do you want to just like try out the German you're going to say with me first before you do it? And I said, nah, it's cool. <laughs> for some quality so, assurance. Yeah. And I mean, I should mention, I do speak German, but you know, I am not a native German speaker. So mm-hmm. uh, the full correct term, as I understand it in Germany would be Bundesautobahn, which is just federal highway. Bundesautobahn. Okay. Yeah. And we've got some other Bundes things that there's the, plenty of bundes you, there's a lot of bundes going on yeah <laughs> the bundeskunstler in angela merkel people are familiar with her so at any rate if anytime you're driving on a road that's big enough and is federally controlled and not locally controlled mm-hmm. and built to certain specifications then you're driving on the autobahn right right so as i mentioned uh the other the other half of this question is well is there really no speed limit so as of a study done in 2015 roughly 70 percent of the autobahn had no enforced speed limit at all. Right. Okay. There is, however, an advisory speed limit. Okay. And that is okay. 130 kilometers per hour, which is the equivalent to yeah, 80, 81 miles. Yeah. And this is called the Lichtgeschwindigkeit, 
which if you literally translate that, that means the correct speed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it isn't a legal limit. Like you, if you are going faster than the Geschwindigkeit, you will not be pulled over by the police. You can openly and brazenly drive faster than that. But, and this is what I find kind of fascinating, and it seems very German to me. If you get into an accident while you are driving at speeds higher than 130, hmm. you might be deemed at least partially responsible for the accident, no matter what actually happened, due to something called erhöhte Betriebsgefahr, which means increased operating danger. Sure. Well, yeah, at over 130 kilometers. Yeah, so you're, you're judged to have just been doing something reckless no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, it it will be more, uh, your, it will be judged to be more your responsibility than it would be otherwise. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's that seems reasonable to me. But I, I should say, so so it is true, 70%, no speed limit. The other places that do have a speed limit, typically it's because of, it's, you know, maybe there's construction going on or maybe you're, you know, in some special zone or something like that. But most of it sure. does not have a speed limit. And I will say, I like driving in Germany way way more than than back in the usa certainly back then back in california which is i mean known for horrifically bad drivers anyway but the reasons why are kind of interesting so it's partially because germans are very good as might be expected at following the rules of their own system that's not shocking <laughs> right so everyone's doing you can kind of count on everyone more or less to be doing the right thing and that does take a lot i mean you still have to be aware but it's less like in California, you're just constantly like, I have absolutely no idea what anyone might do at any moment. Any car could just change in any lane in any time. Just yeah, well, make any decision. <laughs> Californians seem to believe that two physical objects can occupy the same physical space at the same moment <laughs> mm-hmm. in time. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest difference that makes the system here work, and I'm curious to know how this works in, in your part of Canada, but it, you are legally not allowed to pass on the right in mm. Germany. Well, okay. So in Canada, passing on the right, as I be- I believe it is uh, not allowed. Like you, you're mm-hmm. not, you know. But in practice, it does occur at the frequency such that like it's not a rule that people seem to take as a really serious one. It's especially in particular if there's a two lane road and then someone's making a left turn and someone's not going to stop. You know what I mean? They're going to, mm-hmm. if it's two lanes each way, someone's making left turn, you're going to go by on the right-hand side. Is that not, does that not happen in Germany? I wouldn't, I mean, I, I don't know, but I wouldn't think it would happen, no. So, because not only, so you can only pass on the left, and not only can you only pass on the left, you cannot go faster than the person in the lane to the left of you. Right, so if the person on the left is going 100 kilometers an hour, and the person on the right can't, like, they, they're obligated to, like, basically pause at that point that's right you have to go at no and then probably honk at them and be like why are you doing yeah this? be like why are you why stop doing what you're doing yeah right? but it it the end result is it's a much more predictable system you stay in the right most lane until you need to pass someone then you move over to pass and then you go back to the right lane and there isn't going to be someone just like there isn't going to be someone just chilling in that lane most yeah. of the time. If mm-hmm. there's someone who, I mean, I do know people who drive pretty much 100% of the time in the fastest lane, but they're going so fast that like they're the people who are right behind you honking at you because yes. they're annoyed that you need to move over. Mm-hmm. So, but, but by and large, even those people, it's just a, you just move, you, you are in the uh, left, the rightmost lane where you are not constantly stopping, right? So if, if right. there's a three lane road and you're going faster than most people, you're just in the middle lane. Like you don't need to be in the in the far left lane, right? 
are they i, I mean is there these rules generally like the thing that's always tricky is the two lane right because mm. if it's the three lane you're almost always can segregate yourselves relatively well and at least in canada or in the, the uh, highways i've driven in canada where it's three lanes not much of a problem the problem is when there's a two-lane highway that's pretty long and pretty straight and there's a people in the right-hand lane and trucks and stuff going like you know 90 kilometers an hour which is i don't know what 45 miles an hour or something like that mm. and then there's people in the left lane or the and then left lane is free and i want to go like medium speed right and so i'm in the left lane going medium speed and then occasionally someone comes along up behind and is like i want to go really high speed and i'm like okay well like that's fine i guess i can like depending on how busy it is maybe i can merge over onto the right hand lane but like what i was wanting to do is be kind of going a medium pace past the people on the right i'm not explaining this very well but you get what i'm that's where it gets tricky is if you often have people who kind of have three speeds in mind you sometimes only have two lanes. Yeah, well, so one one thing is that the you're you're legally obligated to let people merge mm-hmm. and, and let people in and things like that. And That's so you rule. don't Yeah, and so and it's actually kind of most noticeable when you're coming upon an on-ramp mm-hmm. because you actually are required to move one level one lane to the left to let the people have that lane to get on. Ah, so you make space for people merging on. You make space for people merging. Yeah, I do do yeah. that out of like habit, but I see people lots of people not do that. <laughs> and so in a situation like you're talking about where you would have two lanes, assuming it would be it doesn't even have to be the autobahn because people do this even on speed regulated roads. Like mm-hmm. for 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 example, Almost all of the driving that I do on a daily basis right now, just to go to you know some place where we can walk around where there's no people, uh, is is not on an autobahn. It's on sure. I, I don't remember what the, the word's called, but it's like a land road. I forget what the German term is, but it's it's and that has a uh, maximum speed of a hundred. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, really? Just like a normal, like a just a normal like a hundred. That being like fifty five miles an hour. That's just like the normal. Okay, you're just going around town. Well, yeah. So it's actually it's uh, that's actually kind of an interesting sub fact. So uh, Germany, something I don't like. So this is all stuff mostly I've talked about that I do like about the driving in Germany. One thing I don't like, just having not grown up here, is that there are a lot of fact facets to the driving system here that are not made that you just have to know. They're not made super apparent to anyone. They're not on mm. signs. So, for example, uh, there are speed limits f- that are for different types of areas that are not posted on signs. Right. So whenever you come to a, a village or a town or something along one of these roads, there's like a yellow sign that tells you that you're entering the town. Right. Village mode now. Yeah. It has the name of the town and what county it's in. And the, there is a required speed limit at that point to drive through the town. Right, and you're supposed to know that it's town speed now. Yeah, it's town speed now, and it's it happens to be 50 kilometers per hour. But yeah. you just have to know that. And if you don't know that, when we when I the first time I ever drove here, I didn't know that. Right, so I'm just driving mm. way too fast. I actually got a ticket uh, because and they're like, why are you going? Up. Why are you going? Uh, countryside speed in town yeah exactly and then in town they'll be i mean if they go slower than 50 like if there's a 30 zone which there often is in sort of a downtown then they'll post that right yeah, yeah. but but like the 50 it's just not posted and so similarly the 100 is not posted so i was actually quite confused for a while because uh, on the autobahn you'll see when there's a speed limit you'll see a speed limit sign and then they have a special speed limit sign that has like three lines through it at a diagonal and that's the there's no speed speed limit sign <laughs> Yeah, okay. sorry, there's no speed limit. And so yeah. you can just drive as fast as you want. Well, they have that same sign on these land roads, on these like local roads. 
Right. But it doesn't mean... It doesn't mean no speed limit. No speed. It means, it means the use default the speed, speed limit for this type of road. <laughs> yeah. It means no more than 100, but not particularly posted. Because around here, most of the roads are 70. And mm. But if you then randomly, there'll just be one of these signs. And it's like, oh, now I could go 100. Mm. But it's just like... And usually it's in an area where they also add a second lane, which is designed for passing. Yeah. Right? So, first of all, most of the roads I'm on are one lane in each direction. But if there is a two lane, then, yeah, the left lane is just for passing. And people are chilling in the right lane, moving left to pass. But people are really, really good about, like, moving back over as soon as it's safe to do so. And so if you were in the situation you are describing where everyone in the right lane, there's a lot of trucks and stuff, and they're going slower than you want to go, but you're in the left lane and someone really fast gets behind you, then someone in the right lane will let you merge in to let that person by. Wait a minute. So in the States, so here in here, when they're, mm-hmm. the speed limit is 50, which is like the village speed limit, right? The normal, yeah. in, you're in town, normal speed limit, which is 30 miles an hour, uh, roughly, right? Yeah. 50, 50 kilometers an hour uh, in normal systems. Yeah. Is that signaled everywhere? Because definitely here, it's if there's no speed limit posted, then 50 is the limit for 30, 30 miles an hour. In a city... Like San Francisco or something, there is not always a speed limit sign posted. And I say it's generally assumed to be 25 or 30 miles an hour. Yeah. But it's, but there, I would say that there are more speed limit signs. Like if you're driving along a similar type of road to the one I'm describing from here, and you're just sort of occasionally passing through small towns, Mm -hmm. there would be a speed limit sign change. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because when it went into it, when it went from like your in between towns to the in town, it would be like, oh, as a reminder, you're it's 50 because you're in the normal yeah i think it's probably because there's not a standard system for town signs Hmm. right like there's no each town does their own yeah and also mostly you don't drive through towns this way right like you used to in the u.s pre-interstate yeah but now you're kind of circumventing the towns exactly and if you exactly and if you live in in like a a, you know an urban area like i do like i'm driving but you know at home i'm driving between berkeley and oakland all this stuff i'm technically just in a city at all times yeah you're not leaving there's no yeah there's no middle area and if there is then i'm on an actual highway yeah so they were having a problem here in vancouver because there's been a bunch of research that says that, that instead of 50 kilometers 30 miles an hour being the like good city village uh, uh speed limit that there's a lot of advantages in terms of safety and uh choices uh, that people make in terms of what kind of transportation they use if you bring it down to that that 30 kilometer an hour that like you'll sometimes see in like little downtown areas and stuff like mm-hmm. that or 20 miles an hour and so they're the city at the city level they want to try and bring that limit in around through the whole city said, oh wait. wow no yeah. i'm just really upset about this <laughs> <laughs> and so not not in like the um not in the arterials like when you're getting cross town or no but if you're in town somewhere you're in town you're in a a residential neighborhood and it's just like homes and cul-de-sacs and stuff to just make it so that's all 30 kilometers an hour and then kids are walking around and people are on bikes and stuff like that and there isn't some car whipping by at the speed limit is 50 but they're actually going 60 right no Um, you're probably right because yeah that's a really good point especially because people don't I mean, people tend to drive a little bit above. So, yes. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a strong point. And there's yeah. the places that have done that citywide um, and then just have the exception, like the no sign limit is 30, but then you let it, you ease it up on the big, like kind of well-signaled uh, arterials that people use for getting across town um, that uh, um, fatalities 
for pedestrians go down markedly. And then the thing that's even more appealing from like a public policy perspective is that more people choose to walk and bike. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. When they get used to the idea that it feels safer. It feels more people scale on the Yeah, I saw a sign the other day that was like, and I didn't know what it was, so I had to ask. And it was a sign basically saying like, there's some specific situation right here where you need to go at a speed where someone could be walking next to you and would Mm. feel safe. By the way, the 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 term for that uh, for the non for the local authority state controlled road is a mm. Landestrassen or Landestrasse. Yeah, Landestrasse. Singular. Yeah, so it's pretty simple. There's also the Bundesstrasse, which is a federal road, and then there's the Kreisstrasse, which is a district road. There's all these different ones. But anyway, um, so yeah, okay, so I think that makes sense i mean it saves lives and it makes it it helps the environment and there's that there's that thing from sweden right where they 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 made a choice some number of years ago to prioritize uh they didn't want to reduce they didn't want to make act they they acknowledged that there was no way to make zero accidents happen what they decided to do was to make zero fatalities happen and to make it so that it was basically as hard as possible for a a situation where you would get into an accident to cause someone's death and they succeeded yeah, and so basically, instead of saying we want to reduce traffic fatalities, the goal is zero traffic fatalities. And if there are still traffic fatalities happening, then we haven't finished our work. We need to keep changing things until we've gotten to zero. Which is incredible. And I know San Francisco was uh, trying to, to implement the same the same thing. Yeah, and in, in Vancouver, that's becoming, like, they haven't, I don't think, formally, and you have to kind of do it as a, you can't just do it as a city, you need a national policy, really, to do that. Um, but at a city, they're starting to look at, like, oh, what are the things we can do at the city level, and this 30 kilometers an hour, because the stopping distance of 30 kilometers versus 50 kilometers is way shorter. Like, it's not, because hmm. I guess it's 40% difference in speed or whatever, but it's, w- like, well under half the amount of time it takes to stop if somebody uh, notices a pedestrian in front of them, whether or not the it's a kid out in the road or uh, they just lost a ten- yeah, cell phone distracted sense. them or something like that, right? And so the stopping distance is exponential. And because you the stopping distance, a lot of the stopping distance is actually how much you keep moving at your max speed before you notice the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then it's also, uh, exponentially faster, uh, to stop when you're moving more slowly. So it's something that's a big win, but the thing that they're hitting here, which I think is true in a lot of jurisdictions is that the city didn't, doesn't pick what the default speed is. It's a, mm. at the provincial level. And so um. the province has some law that says, if there's no signs, then it's 50. And the city's yeah. like, well, no, but we want the default to be 30. And they're like, okay, well, let's put up signs. And then it's like, they price out putting a 30 kilometer an hour sign on every single street in the entire city and they're like this is many 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 millions of dollars and will be politically unpopular but could you not just put one at the at the entrances and exits no they're not allowed to and so what they're pushing for is for the province to say hey make a rule that says uh you can have a like at your city perimeter a entering a slow city zone uh, and then we'll allow to do that and that's uh something that they're they're trialing that by the neighborhood next to ours um Mm. is the trial starting this week actually um and so they're putting in on every single block the 30 kilometer sign uh, and painting on the roads the 30 kilometers all over the place yeah it's it's painted on the roads here Which is cool. I, I appreciate that. That yeah, seems like a reasonable place to. The, by the way, some a little bit of history for you. So the the Weimar Republic, which was the first democratic version of Germany, mm-hmm. had no federally required speed limits, mm, okay. and that kind of makes sense because it was Wasn't like you know kind of a long time ago. <laughs> it was the twenties, right? Yeah. So it's like yeah. there weren't that many cars. Uh-huh. 
in in 1939, the Nazis were the first one to institute a maximum speed limit. Okay. And it was 80 kilometers or 50 miles an hour, which was designed to conserve gasoline for the war effort. Right. Because if, uh, it gets exponentially more and more fuel wastage the faster you go. Air, air right. So, yeah. so after the war in 52, the West German legislature voted to abolish all national speed limits because they saw them as a relic of Nazism. Oh, right. Because anything that got brought in under, like, just like produce a list of rules brought in by these people. Well, it's not them. true. The, it, what's what's really shocking to me, it, or what was really shocking to me at some point when I got more familiar with Germany, is that there actually are a lot of laws still on the books that were passed during the Nazi period. Wow. It wasn't like, oh, we just started all over again. But that particular one, I guess, was seen as a form of control or something like that. So basically, yeah, it, that's that's sort of why the culture here of having no speed limits oh, exists because it was okay. seen as like a, a you know a rejection of Nazi of the why Nazi Germany era. in particular because they had bad they had a bad experience with speed limits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of basically, and I mean there there is definitely a movement here now to to re-add, you know to to and it's and over time since you know. Over time since then, speed limits have slowly been sort of, you know, re-added in various places. And in 56, the urban limit I mentioned was added. The rural roads was added in 72. So, I mean, this this kind of happened over time. But, I mean, there are politicians here now who say, like, you know, I, I think one, uh, one there was a head of, I think he might still be the head of the one of the Green parties, said something like, you know, the speed limit in Germany is, is similar to the, to the Second Amendment right to bear arms debate in America. Right. It's that it's like a hot button uh, issue that people have an emotionally charged relationship with, but that it's causing people to die. Yeah. And they're like, at some point, a speed limit will just it'll happen and we won't. It'll be like the smoking ban in restaurants. You won't be able to remember. Yeah. What and it was then like people will that. be like, it used to be like that. And just how did we die constantly okay? and we were OK with that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But until it happens, I, it's like, well, you know, this is controversial. But I am leaving this zone for the Netherlands in a week. And they're like most European countries, the. There is a maximum speed limit. I think it's 130. And I, I will say it, it, I do appreciate it here when I'm there. Like I, mm. I actually do miss it because it, it's just really nice to just, and, it, and like I said, it only works because everyone basically follows the rules, but it, it works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it'd be yeah. fun to just let it, it rip. It's sure for like five minutes, but it's yeah. mostly just like the freedom to be able to get around people and just drive as you want and not be not be trapped in situations and mainly honestly if even if you got rid of the the max even if there was a maximum at like 130 or 140 which is very fast the, the fact that no one passes on the right is that's just what, the, that seems it like just the reduces thing. all of the stress yeah it's let's so not throw the baby out with the bathwater and say there's a speed limit and everyone just drives chaotically <laughs> be, be california now and then i cry oh, i the, the no. f- final uh anecdote i we we do you remember a couple years ago Daria and I drove to Vancouver to see you. Yes. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. So we, it was great. We were driving back in those days, in the olden times. Mm-hmm. As we were driving back, you know, we're driving through BC, we're driving through Washington, we're driving through Oregon. I'm loving it. We're having a great road trip. And all of a sudden, I just start to get really like off and like a little, you know, agitated. I'm starting to get annoyed and I don't know what's going on. And, you know, Daria's like, what's going on with you? And then I look and it's like, we've, it's been 10 miles since we entered California. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just, you just can feel it. Suddenly people are Being whipping out California from behind road. trucks. No, it's <laughs> like people are just like, they're just chilling behind a, a truck. And then right as you're coming up, they like whip out in front of you, you know, mm-hmm. or like they just pass on all crazy. I mean, California, I, 
I, I really feel like has the worst drivers of, of, of any U.S. place I've ever been. Well, so. I feel like that's probably a controversial statement that we'll get. Well, you yeah. just don't know about well, this. Our yeah, state can't, has the really You can't argue with me because I said any place I've been. Oh, so. well, yes. That's why I threw in that caveat. So, All right. You want to hit us with a fact? I have a driving-related fact. What? Yeah. It's, this is amazing. It, this kind once, of synergy The synergy is, is optimal. Yeah, for our the connectitivity. Connectitude. Yeah, the linkativity. A uh, fun fact. A Formula One car mm. has a higher drag coefficient than a Hummer. That doesn't make any sense. That does not make any sense. <laughs> what? Why? Uh, I love Hummer. Formula One. It's so boxy and a Formula, and this isn't really something specific just a Formula One, but like that okay. sort of open wheel, uh, yeah, like an Indy car or whatever. Cool race car, the open wheel race car style, the one that everyone imagines when you think of a race car. Yeah, a stereotypical race car, really yeah. fast, yeah. seems really streamlined. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have a drag coefficient in between 0.7 and 1.1. Amazing! Which no, I don't is, know what that means. It's very like high. If you compare it to like a Prius is 0.24, you would think Holy Formula One, moly. they have they, the Formula One teams apparently have uh, as many sometimes as 50 people working on them just on aerodynamics. Yeah. So you'd think they would be able to get it lower than uh, well, Prius. The Prius is kind of actually an interesting example to use because I know that the whole the reason the Prius looks so weird is because they sacrificed everything in the name of of wind resistance and drag right like yeah that so was prius is like that. almost like one of the hero cases of Faraday. yeah they sure. wanted the whole goal was to get the highest possible gas mileage right, right. So, so so maybe the prius is a high bar a so hummer. let's say a, a hummer a hummer h2 coefficient <laughs> okay. drag 0.57 which is 0.57 quite bad lower for a car that you would buy yourself right but uh, you or, said that the the f1 was like 0.6 something uh 0. 0.70 something up to 1.1 <laughs> That's really bad. Which yeah. is worse than a cube, one. to be clear. If you just were yeah. driving just a cube. <laughs> because no. over one is like, <laughs> one is you're actually adding to the Yeah, problem, you're not right? even like, trying at this point. Yeah, a cube. Yeah. A cube. <laughs> so the depending on, so and apparently the variation, um, and mm-hmm. this is the clue as to, okay, well, wh- why is a four yeah, one no more here. drag so bad? Um, it's because the aerodynamics that they care about uh, prioritize is not how do we make it uh, as seamless as possible they want as much downforce as possible and so okay. one of the like the top so that's goal, what keeps you on the road right it keeps you on the road and i used to always think about like and every once in a while you'll see uh one of these race cars um for one reason or another often like the the, the airflow of other cars they'll they will lift off the road um yeah and it's very dangerous it's very dangerous um yeah. but uh and so the downforce in order to keep you on the road is very important but it's actually yeah. even more important in terms of your lap time and the performance of a race car is that you oh. have lots of downforce so that you can take a, tur- a turn a corner at a higher oh, speed so you can, you can grip, grip. And go faster in the, oh, yeah, that right. makes sense. So you're, yeah. you're coming into a corner and a huge performance, like almost like if there's only one thing that matters in a race car almost is how fast can you take a corner? Right, because everyone can go extremely fast on straight. On a straight right? line. Everyone just guns it and they go basically the same speed. But the best race car drivers are the ones who take the turns the latest, who have the least fear of yes. the best control over the car, who have, yes. you know, who, it's all in the margins right there. 
Yeah. And so the huge, yeah. the huge goal of these 50 aerodynamicists, um, the mm. 50 people on the aerodynamics team is to get as much downforce as possible within the rules, which apparently the drag used to be even higher um, okay. in previous generation because they're always amending the rules yeah, as people are, find yeah, yeah. hacks and, and ways yeah. to like, you know, cheat and stuff like that. And so, but the rules have now limited what percentage of the car's surface can be used for uh, downforce. It used to be that like every single tiny piece, they would somehow make, create even more downforce. And if you think of, if you think of the aerodynamics of like your the car's driving forward, air is coming at the car, and then what the all these various flaps and and wings and things are doing is pushing the air up as it hits the car so that it pushes the car down. That's drag. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know that. So, like many people that I know, I was turned on to Formula One by the incredible Netflix series f1 drive to survive have you watched that show i haven't i should oh know. it is so so good list seriously it's incredible you should definitely watch f1 it in the third drive season. to survive is this recent yeah it's the last so basically they know people have been for, talking about it recently yeah so this is the the third season's about to come out but they but for the last three years every year they've followed the f1 season and basically it's like everything that someone like me wants out of a formula one season because i you, you don't have to watch any of the races Hmm. right it's just all of the drama and all of the personalities and all of the things that happen over the course of a season with a bunch of the clips of the coolest parts of the races that is fascinating i it just occurred to me how much there might be a market for that in every sport right like i don't oh yeah watch i don't watch basketball for example i do watch basketball if i know you do but i i like i find sports in general like I can sit down and as you and you and I have, I believe there was like a uh, basketball playoffs game that was oh, yeah. on in a bar, and I'm like, yeah. okay, well, tell me about this. Who, who are yeah. the, what's what are the stories? And then it's interesting because it's like a high stakes game or whatever. If you took the entire basketball season and then yeah, and you just made a drama out of into it. a drama of the year, I would be like, yeah. oh, I would I would be able to follow it. I would get yes. into the storylines, and then it's like, yes. oh, but then there's an injury, and like exactly, no, no, you make exactly. it into the soap opera that it kind of is exactly. out of what actually happened like as a recap and you maybe would watch it anyway because you're like oh yeah i know these things but maybe but like there's a whole another audience that i'm not going to watch 100 games <laughs> or whatever of, totally of these other sports that's interesting and okay, for cool. formula one it's even more difficult because most of the races are in places that time zone wise are just not good for people living in north america but it's it's a phenomenally well done show you should totally go watch it and it turned me way onto formula one and one of the things you learn once you get into it is that yeah, as you pointed out, they they are constantly updating the regulations for these teams to work <laughs> under. And the most recent switch was quite a number of years ago now. And since that switch, one team in particular has been unbelievably dominant. Mm. Uh, Mercedes has won every championship for like seven or eight years, right? And they're supposed to be new regulations coming that, to try to balance the playing field because you don't really want that. No, it's not as interesting if one team is dominating. Right. And the way that F1 makes it continue to be interesting is that the fun part of F1 actually isn't who's winning the championship most years. It's who's doing well in the what's called the midfield. Basically, like, who's the third to sixth best team. Right. Is where all of the drama is. And they yeah, have, like, it, scaled prizes because, like, it's not just winner takes all. Like, the second and third and fourth get scaled. Exactly. Yeah, there's all those. kinds of – there's all these kinds of things. It's you. Please go watch the show because I would love to just talk to you about it. I think you're going to really enjoy it. But and – it's, and it's a really nice, like, you know, for our current times, like, it's a very, like, fun, pleasant – 
entertaining, you know, personality driven. It's really, really, really well done. And you'll, if you start now, the third season's about to come out, you'll be all caught up. But anyway, um, so the, the regulations were supposed to come into force, but because of the pandemic and everything else, they've been delayed. And in fact, on top of that, one of the engine suppliers just left the sport. Mm. And so one of the teams doesn't have an engine. So they had to freeze engine like development so that they could keep making that engine. Yeah. It's all super interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it actually, all of this stuff is, is super fascinating, but yeah, the, the competitive advantage on the, because also like up until very recently, uh, there was no budget. So no budget cap, you, you mean no budget cap. Yeah. Right. So the, the two top teams for the uh, for most of the last few years, Mercedes and Ferrari, just spent so much more money. Right, than I was going to say teams. is like, what, did they have some cheating or something like that? But if it's just like, there's no limit, and two teams are willing to invest way more than every other team. Yeah. So now, starting I think this year or next year, there's a there's a budget, there's a cap. Right. right. So it's anyway, it's 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 super fascinating. I I really really again will recommend that show because it's so good. Yeah. But I'll we'll um, check that out. Yeah, but yeah, that's a super cool fact. Yeah, so high apparently the high drag varies because I'd mentioned the 0.7 to to 1.1 drag. Oh apparently, yeah, yeah. What's that? It depends. About? They will set the aerodynamics differently depending on the track and the conditions. So if it's oh. like, oh, this is really like a lot of hard corners or yeah. whatever reason they think they need more downforce, they'll actually yeah. change the way the aerodynamics are set up for the the course. And so that's it's so cool. Very calcul. Obviously, like everything for me it's like very calculated. Yeah. Yeah, that's super, super cool. Yeah, I know like they'll change which tires they use uh, depending on the course and the day and even on the lap. They'll switch to different yeah. tires, I think. It's all and a lot of those decisions are where the, you know, the skill comes in in terms of the relationship between the driver and the person who's managing the car in the garage. Right. Like as the race is going like pre-race and then as the race is going on, like what when do we pit stop? When what, yeah. how much fuel do we take? What tires do we put on? When do we get tires? All those kind of things. It's just super fascinating. Yeah, it's um, it's a cool combination of different people. Uh, well, apparently, the uh, one thing I found amusing is like the, the, in this context for aerodynamics, the mm. Formula One cars having like a 1.0 drag, the Prius having 0.24. Yeah. A Boeing 747, which okay. I don't think it's one of the less elegant airplanes. Yeah, it's the one big. with the kind of blob on the, on the just top. giant, right? Yeah, it has a drag coefficient of 0.03 <laughs> oh wow well yeah but there has to be i mean they're you know they, they care they a lot fly. about <laughs> <laughs> they fly they don't want downforce in a plane yeah and also that also gives a little bit of a hint to the fact that part of why this thing is so surprising um is that the drag coefficient is a ratio of the front surface area and so the boeing 747 is really large but as like a ratio its drag is low but like the actual total amount of drag on a 747 is going to be higher than a, a f1 would car be higher yeah. because it's bigger yeah, that makes sense. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. So I, yeah. I was fun to have a, a driving a car fact. Even aerodynamic drag came up in your fact. Even you mentioned it from the old, the saving fuel. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I, I don't have a, another driving fact, but I do have another sports fact, so we could keep it going on that way. Okay, okay. We're, we're weaving and bobbing. Yeah. Yeah. So fun fact. The odds of playing professional basketball are incredibly low. Unless you're at least seven feet tall, which I am. <laughs> yes. So little tell me known, more. little known fact, Alan <laughs> seven five. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so everybody knows that being a pro basketball player is rare, right? Like yes, that's not clearly that's not news. But given that height is the one basketball skill that you can't teach or choose, the odds have to go up as you get taller, right? That that seems sure. logical. Yeah. Right. So they do. 
but they are still just unbelievably low. If you're like so, six foot ten, no one cares. Yeah, something like that. So according to CDC surveys, only five percent of American men are taller than six foot three. Only five percent. Six three and taller. Yeah, only five percent. Right. Six foot three is some is somebody if you met them, they would be like, Yeah, that you they would be noticeably tall. Yeah, but you're not, like that person's tall. It's not it's not like you can't resist not making like, what's the weather up there. Yeah, exactly. High. But like yeah, yeah okay. They're and also five percent sounds like a small amount, but that's still like eight million people. Yeah, like you know people right. that tall. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. We we both know someone who's taller than that. So yeah. that that so there are only four hundred and fifty player spots in the NBA. Right. That's the that's the number of people per roster times number of teams. And some of the players are shorter than six three. Mm-hmm. so we're not talking about a ton of opportunity here mm-hmm. right and even if you're taller than 6'3 even if you're significantly taller than 6'3 the odds are still staggeringly low so according to some statistics that were done in 2012 a rough estimate of the chance that an american man who's between 6'6 six, six and 6'8 six, and we're talking about by the time you get to 6'8 6'6 six, six, six to 6'8 six, like that's a really you meet someone who's 6'8 and you're not you know you're getting six, eight, into you're the, like, the bad jokes about height yeah, this person is shockingly tall. I remember, I think you were, might have been with me. We were at a party once where there were like three or four people who were all 6'8 sitting next to each other. And it was like very weird, <laughs> right? I don't know if you remember that. I, I feel like you might have been there, but I don't know. Anyway, the odds of you being in the NBA or having played in the NBA even for any length of time, if you're between 6'6 and 6'8 American man, is 0.07%. Right. So you're so tall that everyone thinks of you as the tall guy. But yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, did you play basketball? You have no choice. Like, no, it's not enough. No, no, difference. you didn't play basketball, right? But if you're seven feet tall, that's where things get kind of interesting. Four so more according, inches makes it. It's only yeah, it's only four more inches. But according to the same surveys, there are between the ages of twenty and forty, at least in 2012, there were only about seventy people American men oh, who were that God. height. Okay, so yeah. all right, so the full <laughs> size has gone way down. Yeah, and for those seventy men. The odds that they played in the NBA for at some point in time, for some moment, is 17%. Oh, wow. <laughs> so roughly one in six men who are seven foot or taller played in the NBA. It's okay. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's quite a change in fortune for those extra four inches. That's right. That's right. You're four inches taller and you go from 0.07% you played in the NBA to 17%. And by the way, 17% still means that five out of six people who are seven feet tall don't play in the NBA. But like, right? though, but though, like that, this is whew. segmenting people entirely on height, but they also yeah. still represent the full stage of human like genetics that they could otherwise have so like that's right there's people there in that group that are just completely uninterested in sports there's a people yeah. in that group that are no athletic ability no athletic ability whatsoever Com- yeah. complete lack of grit or determination that's you know, right. all the things that could can vary across people are in that group that still 17 percent of them it's like that's ah, close enough <laughs> yeah they're just like well i don't know and i mean i think in the in the pre in, in older days there were probably it was the number was probably even higher because for two reasons number one there were basically no international players playing in the nba mm-hmm. now there are so you know they're taking some of those spots and also the the value of height in the nba was actually considered to be greater maybe 10 years ago than it is right now height has never been less relevant to professional basketball than it is right now this is you mentioned earlier that i 
watch basketball and I, it's, it's my favorite team sport. So I follow it pretty closely. And the, the game has moved in ways where the sort of classic, the, if you, if you only kind of casually know basketball and mostly watched it in the nineties, you think of like these great centers, these Shaquille O'Neal's, these yeah, Shaquille yeah. Elijah ones, these just incredibly tall men in, in, in the paint going to the basket. But the three point revolution, yes. which has pulled everyone out, out and really completely restructured the nature of the game in ways that actually old school fans often hate and don't watch as much anymore but it has made that kind of height almost uh, so much less relevant because uh those people are generally not great for whatever reason not great three-point shooters it's not just like the game isn't just a really tall guy trying to dunk it and like an even taller guy kind of trying to stop him Right, that's just not the game anymore. Like that classic. Po- well, it's it. It's, so it's become a game of layups and dunks and threes. But what's not there anymore is the sort of classic post up game. So it's not about a guy trying to dunk it as much. It's more about like the guy trying to like slowly back someone down and then laboriously kind of get a, a maybe like a t- turning hook shot or something. Hmm. You know, um, that that role of the means. game just. <laughs> I can imagine well, when what you're, that is. You're going backwards towards the basket, and then in the last second, you kind of spin oh, around yeah, and I've shoot seen it. That. I've seen that. So that that just isn't as much of a thing, or slipping around and then going in for a dunk, things like that. But that like classic, like oh, the surest way to get two points is to pass into the the big man at the at the block. That's just not a thing anymore because at some point people realized a certain thing that I like to call math, where they were like, <laughs> oh, three, three is actually is not just more than two, not just more than two. It's a lot more than two. Yeah. Yeah, so, you, you have to, if you're, every single one of your, your shots gets two points and every single one of mine gets three, I can, I can have a lower percentage than you by a pretty big Yeah, yeah, I just, so, I can, yeah. it's totally fine that you're shooting 65% and I'm shooting 45%. It doesn't make yeah. any difference. Yeah. So that, that's just completely changed the game. But so, yeah, so I would say that there are probably the, that that was 2012, 17%. I would guess that that number has dropped. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, there's no, you know, the U.S., unlike some places, does not collect height as a standard, you know. Um, data point that's interesting. right because we don't have a we don't have a national id card we don't have like who would be collecting this number where would the stu- who who would have it it's not on the census it's not so wait so there's no, no hey, wait 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 you don't have like a national statistics like department uh i would assume that we do but i don't know because like in canada there is a federal organization called statistics canada and their job is to understand what's going on so that we can make it better over time and make public policy decisions and things like that. And it's not just the census, but like, you know, things like, okay, if we're going to give businesses this tax break, let's evaluate what it did and what businesses are doing. And like, uh, and okay, what's, we have this health thing going on. Let's do statistics and gather data. There must be an equivalent of that in the States. So uh, from what I can tell, just doing a quick search, there's obviously the U S census. Yeah. But which does not collect height. And then there are various federal agencies that collect some amount of statistical data. There's the you know Bureau of Economic Analysis, the Bureau of Justice Statistics, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the Bureau, the Bureau of, of Transportation Statistics. Statistics. So it's like totally siloed up. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And we don't have yeah. like a one cover all thing. And I don't I mean, we have National Center for Health Statistics maybe would have that kind of information, but my understanding is that the the information the 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 2012 information was based on is essentially CDC sort of small scale uh, statistical censuses that were then being mathematically predicted out to the larger population. Hmm. Um, that seems super efficient, and I'm sure it's not the source of any problems. <laughs> yeah, not at all. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um that uh so so that stat of being seven foot tall, it's yeah. it's becoming less true, but still 
if you if Still. anyone this if anyone listening to the show is seven feet tall or taller you now know that you might have a chance to make it in basketball we are informing you of that no one yeah, previously no one has no no one has previously <laughs> hey, suggested this to have you. you have you considered yeah. basketball person who's two yeah. entire heads taller than me it would seem to me and as a person who is also not seven feet tall that if you are seven feet tall and didn't play basketball it's kind of just annoying to be that tall. You're probably it's probably mostly bad. Yeah. But if you are a member of Fun Factor, if you're a Fun Factor out there who is at least seven feet tall, please leave us a five star review uh, <laughs> if you love the show on uh, Apple Podcasts and let us know or tweet at us, whatever you want to do. But let us know if it's really just annoying. And honestly, if you're six eight too, I just feel like I'm 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 like I'm six feet tall, and it's already true that there are a bunch of things in the world that are just not super set up for me. I like, would say six already, feet tall. You're right on that. That like you're still in that part of the bell curve height wise. That is a net win probably overall for you to be that tall because of all the biases that people tend to have, where there's like more status and uh, deference given to tall people. The people tall people to be assumed to be more, uh, you know, various positive attributes. But once you get that's into probably like true, six yeah. five, then that's yeah. I think six five is where. To, yeah price is too high especially in the world of zoom no one knows you're six feet tall on zoom no that's true but i can even what i'm saying is even at six feet tall which is not i mean i think the average height for a man in the u.s is like five nine so you are technically speaking tall but no one is looking at someone six feet tall and being like oh my gosh you're so tall right Mm -hmm. it's just like you're you're taller than the majority of people you meet but shorter than lots and lots of people and no one is ever like oh my god what's the weather up there right but but to your point yes you're never there are certain benefits to being that tall that that are just nice to have but even what i'm saying is even at that height which is not a particularly particularly tall height not short but not particularly tall it is already like you know less comfortable on airplanes left less comfortable in in you know um um back seats of cars uh kitchens may have counters that are not you know it's already not designed for you which mm-hmm. is i think it, it, it's I, I agree with you overall i think the benefits definitely outweigh the negatives at six feet tall but i can totally see how at six four six five six six that turns yeah yeah it would just yeah. really yeah kind of um let's go to follow-up do we have any do we do we have do we have any follow-up we do so this follow-up and this is my fault this follow-up was actually given to us for our last episode okay and and i even got the fine gentleman that i'm going to mention to do something nice for us and then i completely forgot to do it on the show (sighs) so uh yeah i'm the worst so once the (laughs) so friend of the show oshin who is the former developer of or current developer of the Castro podcast app? Whoop whoop! Right, and uh, awesome all around gentleman with an incredibly fine beard. He pointed out that in our Banana Split Bonanza episode, I talked about how uh, "ye" was an older form of English. Yeah, that people don't use anymore. That people don't use anymore. And he pointed out that there are parts of the world, and I actually I. I you know it's I I knew this and I did, it just completely slipped my mind. But it's a, I'm a little too U.S. slash Canada centric here, and I apologize to everyone out there. That ye does live on in the daily vocabulary of, for example, most of the population of Limerick, Ireland, where they absolutely say ye, as he would know as a upstanding Irish. I would say That's he's right. a citizen. I assume he's still a citizen. He definitely was. I have no idea. Citizen. I think, I, I think I he's a Canadian no citizen idea. now. 
as well. Yeah, he might be a joint. I don't know. We're getting rate, too much not, personal information. Yeah, that we're I've definitely seen. breaking his his opsec here. But he sent in a. I asked him, so he he told me this feedback, and I was like, oh, of course, that's your hundred. You know, of course, he's hundred percent right. He knows. But I asked him, would you record yourself using it in a sentence for us? Right. And he did, and so I will put the audio of him doing that in now. Okay, so full disclosure, I don't have a particularly recognizable Limerick accent, but I did grow up there and continue to use much of the vernacular today. So, for example, when addressing an individual, I might ask, do you listen to Fun Fact? And if the response was no, well, then an appropriate response would be, what are you doing with your life? However, when addressing multiple people, I would ask, do ye listen to fun fact? And if none of them responded in the affirmative, then I would exclaim, what are ye doing with your lives? Uh, that's great. I, um, and I've heard, I've heard the, the Ashin and I have a few Irish friends I'm lucky enough to have uh and uh i've heard the ye but i always just thought of it as just a the word you with an irish accent but it's uh very cool to learn that it's actually being used in with a different grammar that's absolutely right so yes yeah. i feel like that's a man with his priorities straight <laughs> uh, absolutely <laughs> thank you very much for doing that Oshin. it was so awesome so thank you thank that, you that counts as a five-star review for me Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>